It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome to the very first session in this series on the book of Colossians. I am so excited to be in this book with you. Uh, really, just give a quick background. Um, I was asked to speak in a uh, conference or a youth camp school, Bible school, uh, up in New York. And uh, they asked if I'd speak on the book of Colossians. And I, I was so delighted to do that. And uh, just got back actually really late last night uh, from, from that conference. And uh, it was so powerful, this overwhelming book on the centrality and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And I just thought it'd be fun since I've spent uh, basically all of my study time the last three, four months studying the book of Colossians, I thought it'd be really fun to bring us all in for Daily Thunder and work through the book of Colossians together. And so what I want to do is over these next uh, 14 sessions, I want to do a kind of a big overview of the book of Colossians. And we're going to dive into to, you know, the passages themselves, and we're going to dive into some uh, specific verses, but this is going to be very different than my study in the book of uh, Ephesians. If you've been following me through the book of Ephesians, we've been going verse by verse by verse, uh, and it's rather slow going. <laughs> Uh, but with the book of Colossians, what I'm really excited about is just to stand back and gain an overarching p- picture and a perspective of this incredible, incredible book. And so what I want to do is in this particular session and the following one, uh, these ones, these first two are going to be a little bit shorter. And I just want to give some overview. I want to give some background of just kind of the context of the book itself. And then starting in the third session, we're actually going to dive in and start working through uh, the text. Now, I would really highly encourage you to join me in the actual study. Uh, One of the things I think is really interesting is that because of how we're doing this and covering an entire book, and again, it's only four chapters, but covering an entire book in these 14 sessions, well, it actually provides you the opportunity to join me in the actual study. And I'll mention this at the end, but there's a bunch of study tools and resources and study guides um, that I am working on in terms of this whole series And so I would invite you and I would encourage you to just join me studying the book of Colossians over these next couple of months. Now with that, I would really encourage you, regardless of whether you want to use all those tools and stuff that we're we're working on, I would encourage you to read the book of Colossians every single day for the next month. And maybe you don't have time for that. It probably takes maybe 15 minutes. So if you're already doing other stuff, I, I, hey, I get that. But I would encourage you, if you just have some time and you're going to be following this series, read through Colossians as many times as possible over these next couple of months. And the reason being is I I just want you to be soaked and saturated and permeated with this book. Uh, And I found myself uh, just so deeply edified and so deeply encouraged and challenged by what Paul says to those in Colossae. And you'll actually find as we, especially as we get into chapter two, this book is so relevant for the days in which we live. And that really excites me. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of walk through, again, an overview of the author and the audience and, and the church itself here in Colossae. So to do that, I want to look specifically at the background of Paul. Uh, you know that Paul wrote it. In fact, in uh, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and he's writing with Timothy to this little church in Colossae. Uh, you, you know Paul rather well, but of course, you know, he was converted on the Damascus Road. Uh, he grew up in Tarsus. I was trained in the best schools. Uh, in fact, I have a little map here of the ancient world. And uh, of course, this is the Mediterranean. You can see Rome in the far upper left. 
Uh, Jerusalem will be in the very bottom right corner. It's just kind of off the screen. Uh, but Tarsus is right there uh, to the right of the screen. It's in the kind of the southern uh, east part of modern day Turkey uh, or up there in the, in the Middle East area. And he, of course, he grew up, he was trained in the best schools. Uh, he w- went down to Jerusalem and was trained under Gamaliel, which is, was one of the most famous rabbis of all time, actually. In fact, the Jews today still reference some of his stuff. Uh, we know that in uh, around 33 to 34 AD, uh, he was converted on that road to Damascus, which you can read in Acts chapter 9. And I'm just going to give some bullet, quick bullet points of Paul's life, just so you have them. Uh, from there, of course, after his conversion, he went 14 years before his missionary journey started. Three of those, he was in Arabia, uh, and God was just preparing his heart. And it seems like he went back to Tarsus and spent a few more years there. Uh, but it was 14 years before his first missionary journey. And in Acts chapter 13, it picks up with the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas in 47 to 48 AD. And then right after that, you have the Jerusalem Council Council in Acts 15, where, uh, of course, they all met in Jerusalem and trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like for a Gentile to become a Christian? Do they have to be a Jew? Do they not have to, have to be a Jew? In fact, we'll talk more about that as we get into Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Paul's second missionary journey began around 49 to 51 AD, and you can read that in Acts 15 and following, during which he spent about a year and a half in the city of Corinth. Uh, followed by his third missionary journey in 52 to 56 AD. Sorry for just a whole bunch of information. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, you can read that in Acts 18 and following. And that's where he spent two to three years in Ephesus. And the reason I bring that up is it, most scholars seem to suggest that it was during his third missionary journey when he spent all this time in Ephesus, those two to three years, that Epaphras, who began the church in Colossae, probably was over in Ephesus heard Paul preaching, took that gospel message to the church in Colossae. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but that was right around that 52 to 56 AD time period. And then, of course, you know, Paul goes to Jerusalem, is falsely charged, is held in Caesarea, uh, is presented before the, you know, Felix and Festus and all them, and then eventually is uh, taken to Rome, the shipwrecks, all that kind of stuff, off to Rome to be uh, judged by by Caesar. And of course, scholars tell us that's kind of where the book of Acts ends, but scholars tell us uh, that he was likely released for a couple of years, probably went to Spain, eventually made his way back to Rome, was was rearrested, and then eventually beheaded. So that's about Paul. And, and I know you know a lot of that already, but again, it's, to, it's good to keep that in mind as we come to this book, because as Paul is writing the book of Colossians, he's doing so from the prison cell in Rome. So as after he got arrested and was, you know, did the whole trial thing in Caesarea and appealed to Caesar, after the shipwrecks eventually makes it over to Rome, here he is in house arrest. Now, uh, scholars are kind of, they kind of debate whether or not he was actually, you know, tied to a Roman soldier. Uh, in that day and age, house arrest wasn't like our normal prison. You weren't actually in a prison cell typically in Rome. Uh, Roman cells were really, or the Roman prisons were really small because the idea was, is, well, everything's the empire. And when the Caesar asked for you to show up, you had about an hour. And if you didn't show up, we were going to kill the soldier who was in charge of you. And so they just kind of let him live on house, uh, house arrest, quote unquote. In other words, you had to be in town. Uh, you had to fend for yourself, had to feed yourself. You know, you had to pay for all your own expenses. But likely there was a group of soldiers who were uh, in charge of Paul and they were just, you know, uh, on their shifts. And, and with him, whether he was tied up, we don't know. But we do know that he is officially quote-unquote, in prison or at least house arrest. And that's where he writes uh, the, the letters of, of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. 
And of course, this is one of those. A really quick one, I'll also give you a quick background of uh, Colossae. And the reason this is important is <clears throat> if we understand the region in which he is writing, uh, I think it's going to help us understand uh, the book a little bit better too. Uh, here's a quick map. Again, this is that ancient world. And right here uh, in this square, if you can see the screen, uh, is the modern day uh, Western Turkey. And if we can just zoom in, uh, again, this is what it looks like. You can see Ephesus here on the kind of the middle of the screen, but to the left of modern day Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was the major seawater port of this area. And kind of right in the middle is <clears throat> these group of three cities, uh, Heropolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. And if I can just zoom in again here, what you see is Heropolis is here at the north. Uh, at the top, Laodicea is to the west and Colossae is over there to the east. And they're all about 10 miles apart from each other. They're in this valley called the Lycus Valley. Uh, the Lycus River flows through this region and it's very lush, it's very, very beautiful. Uh, in terms of just an overall background, uh, scholars don't actually know what the name Colossae means. Uh, some suggest maybe it meant punishment. Some say, well, maybe it came from the word where we get the word Colossus or large or massive in terms of a large statue. Uh, that's, that's, that's their best guess. Uh, but Colossae was a, was a city in the Roman province of Phygia uh, next to the Lycus River, which you can see on the map if you're, if you're looking at that. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, Colossae in the ancient days was on the major highway from Ephesus to Antioch. So if you look at the major road that ran from Ephesus, the deep sea port, um, all the way through the main region of Turkey, which then went off to you know, uh, Asia and Africa and that kind of stuff. Colossae was one of the major towns on that, on that road. And so what ended up happening is that it became very lush. It became a very populous city in the ancient days. Uh, so when you go back into like 3rd, 4th century BC Colossae, so this is you know, several hundred years before Paul's writing. Uh, it was a major city, had a big textile industry. Uh, they were really known for this dark red wool, which was actually called Colossians wool. But what ended up happening is uh, things started shifting as a culture. Uh, they moved that major highway that went through Colossae down to Laodicea. And as such, Colossae ended up being one of those has-been kind of towns. Uh, we have a few of those in America where you have this booming industry and then eventually the industry kind of just kind of just kind of goes away and now the buildings are still there and things are still around, but it's just not like it used to be. That was Colossae. So Colossae had all this stuff, had all this infrastructure, uh, but it was just this tiny town at the time, several thousand people, but it really wasn't the big uh, city that it once was in the ancient days in, in the good glory days. And it's interesting right around, uh, right, or scholars think right after Paul wrote the book of Colossians, that Lycus Valley area had a major earthquake. A lot of things were destroyed. Laodicea was rebuilt really quickly, partly because it was on that major road again. Uh, but Colossae was never rebuilt, and eventually the city was abandoned after a couple hundred years. And even to this day, uh, there's really no ex ex uh, excavations uh, archaeologically uh, at that place. It's just a few rolling hills uh, with a few little ruins that you can see. So they're really, it really was just kind of a has-been kind of a town. And that's interesting because when Paul is writing the book of Colossians, uh, this was not a major metropolis. This was just a tiny little town. It's a, it's a has-been town that Paul says, well, hey, I'm, I'm concerned for you. 
because Epaphras is telling me about your problems. So think about this. Here is Colossae, this town that Paul is deeply concerned about. And we know uh, from several passages that it seems like Paul never visited Colossae. He'd never been there. And uh, he, he was being told by Epaphras, which is what you see in chapter one, uh, of the problems and the concerns of the city. And Paul says, hey, I'm going to write this letter. So ponder this. This is so neat to me. The book of Colossians contains what may be one of the greatest declarations of who Jesus is in all the New Testament. And yet it was written to one of the smallest churches. Uh, some scholars suggest that the church in Colossae probably was no bigger than maybe 45 people. I mean, we're just talking uh, just a couple small house churches. And yet one of the most grand declarations of the person of Jesus was given to that church. That is, that is so interesting to me. Uh, just as a, another quick side point, uh, we know at the very end of the book of Colossians, Paul mentions writing a letter to Laodicea, which again is this town about 10 miles away uh, in this Lycus Valley. And this is in chapter four, verse 16. Paul says, uh, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and you for your part read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Now, again, we don't have that letter, but it's interesting that Paul's writing this little church saying, hey, there is this letter to Laodicea. Read that one and make sure they read yours. And it makes sense since they're so close uh, so close to each other in this little valley. So again, Paul is writing. So Paul's in prison. Uh, he is writing out of this overwhelming need and a concern for this little tiny church in this Lycus Valley in modern day Turkey, uh, or what was in that day was known as Asia. Uh, let me give you a couple quick quotes. I just think these are so interesting. Uh, here's here's what a couple scholars say in terms of the grandness of the book of Colossians written to such a tiny little church. Uh, Clinton Arnold says, in the first century, Colossae was a rather insignificant city in the Roman world, which is why J.B. Lightfoot then says, Colossae was the least important church to which any, any epistle of St. Paul was addressed. And the scholar Douglas Moose says this, Paul's letter to Colossians has had an impact on Christian theology and practice out of proportion to its size. I just think that's so interesting. Paul's saying, do you realize Here's this little tiny church that was given one of the most magnificent declarations of who Jesus is. Oh, that excites me. So let's take all of that. And I want to look really quickly at uh, Colossians with you. I just want to give you an outline of the book itself and just kind of give you a quick overview. Uh, Colossians is kind of split evenly uh, in, the, in a half. Paul does this with a lot of his letters. The first half is like the doctrine or the theology section. And then the second half is the practical outpouring. Uh, here's what you're supposed to do kind of a section. And so when you look at the outline, this again, this is my outline. You can do, you can break this up however you want to. Um, but I'm putting chapters one and two in the theology or the doctrine section. Uh, Colossians one, I'm calling the preeminence of Christ proclaimed. Again, the whole book of Colossians, we're gonna talk about this, is all about the preeminence of Jesus. So Colossians one, I'm calling the preeminence of Christ proclaimed. And again, if you want to see the outline of this, uh, you can either see it on the screen or you can look at the additional handouts and stuff. Uh, but we're going to be walking through each of these sections. Uh, so Paul has a prologue, and then he has a little preamble talking to those in Colossae. And then there's a section where I'm calling the path of redemption. Uh, everything obviously has to start with the, the same letter <laughs> in an outline. Uh, and then 15 through 20 of chapter 1 is all about the preeminence of Christ, which is just beautiful. Uh, chapter one, verse 21 to 23 is this idea of being presented blameless and above reproach. And then uh, verse 24 through chapter two, verse seven is Paul's proclamation of the mystery. 
So that's chapter one. Chapter two, uh, I'm titling The Preeminence of Christ Protected, where Paul gives primarily four different beware statements. Hey, be cautious, be concerned. Hey, don't get lost in these things, says Paul. Uh, and he's really concerned that the Colossians uh, will get wrapped up in Jesus and not the, 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 the philosophies and the thought processes of the day. I'm really excited to get into that section uh, here. And then in chapters three, three and four, again, this is the, the, the demonstration. Uh, this is the practicality. And I'm calling chapters three and four, the preeminence of Christ practically lived. And Paul really has three major sections. Uh, in chapter three, verses one through 17, he's talking about the practical holiness in our life, uh, that, that you are called to be holy uh, just as he is holy, uh, or because he is holy, he wants to make you holy. Uh, in verse 18 through chapter four, verse one, uh, Paul talks about the practical holiness in relationships with other people. So he talks about family dynamics, marriage dynamics, work dynamics, uh, and he's just talking about, okay, what does it look like to walk in the reality of Christ in every relationship uh, that we have? And then in chapter four, verse two through six, he talks about uh, what I'm calling the prayer and proclamation uh, in terms of sharing the gospel and that kind of a thing. And then he finishes the book almost with this postscript, verse seven through 18 of chapter four. And it's really just Paul's personal notes. And we're actually gonna look at that section in this next session and as we're, as we're diving in and, and looking at this overview. So we're gonna talk about his postscript uh, in this next session, which sounds a little funny, but it'll make sense. Uh, just to finish this session, I want to look at the, the audience itself. Paul is writing to this little church in Colossae. And I just want to pull out one statement that Paul makes. Uh, in verse 2, Paul says, To the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae. So Paul says, here I am. I'm writing with Timothy, and we are writing to the saints and the faithful brethren in Colossae. It's interesting that he's writing to what he calls saints. And that word saint, it actually is the same root word as the word holiness. It's this idea of being set apart. It's, it's this idea of being unlike the world around you. Paul says, oh, I am writing to those who are not like this world. I am writing to those who are, who are literally in Christ. And, and this includes us. See, saint is, is not this Catholic idea where, you know, at, at some point, if you do enough good things, uh, you'll be sainted. See, that, that's not the idea biblically. See, a saint is a believer. See, a saint is one who has embraced the reality of Christ. And now Christ lives within them. And, and this overwhelming reality is, wow, well, what would it look like to live set apart and holy and different than the world around you? See, that's this idea. Paul says, I'm writing to that group of people who, yes, are in Colossae, but they're not wrapped up in Colossae. They're not wrapped up in the Roman world. They're not wrapped up in the world philosophy. And then he also says, not just to the saints, but to the faithful brethren. That word, again, faithful, uh, this idea of those who are of the faith, and we'll talk about more of this in the third session, but it's this idea of those who have actually put their faith in Christ, those who are walking faithfully as believers. And I say all that to say, yes, Paul is writing this little book to this little tiny church in the Lycus Valley next to Laodicea and Heropolis. But the reality is this includes us. That yes, this wasn't written for 21st century Americans or wherever it is that you live. The reality is he's writing to this little tiny church in the Roman world, yet he's writing to all saints and all believers. And so if I can encourage you, this book is for you. 
that, that this isn't just something that we want to academically study and, and go, wow, isn't that interesting over there? And yet it doesn't affect our lives. See, this is to, the reality of this book is so pertinent for the days in which we live. I mean, this, this book applies to our lives. I mean, this book applies to the culture in which we live. And I'm so excited to get into this and study it with you. So in terms of just some big takeaways from this particular session, again, we're just doing quick overview stuff. Uh, this book was written by Paul. He's, he's in house arrest in Rome. Uh, he hears about this from Epaphras, that there's this little tiny church. And Paul is just overwhelmingly concerned about some of this false teaching that is swirling around in this body. And so he says, all right, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to give you a magnificent declaration of the person of Jesus. And the whole theme of the book, as we get into this, what you're going to discover is the whole theme of the book comes from Colossians 1, verse 18, which is the fact that Jesus is to be preeminent. He is to have first place in all things. Now, what would it look like if that was true in our lives? What if Jesus really was preeminent and had first place in all things, in all areas of our lives? And you're included in this because if you have believed in Jesus Christ and put your faith and trust in him, well, then you are a saint and you should be a faithful brethren. So can I encourage you, don't just, don't just come to this book with an, with an academic, well, you know, I want to learn about Colossians. See, what, what if we came to this book with a hunger and a desire that just said, oh, Lord, would, would you teach me what does it mean to walk in holiness? Lord, what, what, what does it look like in the swirling of false teaching? What, what, what does it look like in the culture in which we live today for the same admonition that Paul gives those in Colossae? Lord, we need that in our lives today. So can I encourage you to, to, to join me in this study? In fact, let me just give you an official invitation. <laughs> join me in this study. Uh, Colossians is such an incredible book. And again, I've been saying this for a few months and it is so rich and powerful. And if you want more, more helps in terms of how to study, uh, I, one of the things I've just been wanting to do in this study is not just give resources of the book of Colossians. I want to help people learn how to study the Bible. So if that interests you, uh, you should see a link somewhere below this video, or if you're listening on the podcast, it should be in the description somewhere. Uh, but there's a link, and if you want to click that, uh, you can sign up, and I'll, I'll email you all the Bible study guides and all the information um, as we work through this. But I would love for you to join me actually studying the book of Colossians. So if I, again, read this book every day if you can, at least read it a few times a week. And the reason is, we, again, we don't want to approach this academically. See, we want to live in this. We, want, we just want to saturate ourselves in this book. We just want to live and walk the streets of Colossae over the next couple of months. And, and I, I, I promise you, if you would just diligently go after Jesus, the promise of Scripture is he rewards those who diligently seek him. So would you, would you get into the book? Uh, and again, if you want help learning how to study the Bible, or if you want some of my, the, my Colossians study guide stuff, or if you want notes for any of these sessions, again, click on the link and, and join us in this study. You can go at your own pace if you want. But join us in this study as we explore this magnificent reality of Jesus being first place in all things. Well, I hope you'll join us. Let's pray just as we take this incredible study and just let's set ourselves in the hands of Jesus as we pursue him. So join me in prayer. Lord, we love you. Uh, Lord, thank you for the fact that here's Paul in a little prison cell somewhere in Rome awaiting uh, his trial, and yet he has this overwhelming burden for a small church. Lord, I love the fact that it's not about the numbers in the church. This is not about having to have a massive 
uh, mega church for you to move, but but Paul is so concerned for the for the small groups. He's so concerned that that they would have a clarity of the person of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we would have that individually. I, Lord, I pray that that would happen in our churches. Lord, I pray that would happen in our nations. That we would understand that that you are to have first place in all things in all areas of our lives. And so, Lord, as we come to the study of Colossians, Lord, I pray for wisdom and insight and the knowledge of who you are. Lord, don't let this just be an academic study for us. Let us hunger and thirst after you. And Lord, I pray that as you promise in Scripture that you would reward that diligent study. Lord, I pray that you would just unveil yourself to us and that we would behold the majesty and the magnificence of who you are. Oh, Lord, we love you. And we just thank you for what you have in store to the course of this series. Oh, we give you all the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.